Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. So good to see everybody here, and uh, you know, it's been, it feels like it's been a minute uh, since I, I've been at a Sunday PM service. I had John do one for me before I went to Columbia, and then last week, we had our Christmas production, uh, and so like I, I was trying to go over in my, my head of like, when was the last time I was here, and I'm like, man, it just seems like I did something last Sunday night. I'm like, ah, Christmas production. Uh, so, but it's good to be back. And unfortunately, like we've got like a couple of more weeks before we'll be able to meet again. Next week is Christmas. Um, and so we won't have a Sunday PM service there. And then on the first, we figured we'd give you some, some time off. Uh, so we won't have Sunday uh, night service on the first. Uh, but come out for Robert Madu on the, uh, what's the 4th? I think January 4th uh, at the Lakeland campus at 7 p.m. And then we'll, we'll hit the ground running on the 8th uh, back here at our Sunday p.m. service uh, together. Hit it strong. Uh, get your face in the place. I will, too. And we're going to have a good time. Uh, let's give it up for everybody listening to podcasts. Um, Yes, our Sunday PM podcasts are one of our most listened to podcasts, which is amazing. Um, And so we're thankful for everyone all over the world who tunes into these services. I, I really do believe I have something on my heart from the Lord. And I always know it's the Lord whenever it's something I don't want to communicate, but I feel the unction to anyway. (laughs) And I'm hesitant to communicate this because so many people have taken what I'm about to say and like run to extremes with it. And sometimes it can get um, to a place that it's a little alarming and disturbing to my own soul when I hear some of these things communicated the way that they're communicated. But I trust all of you know me well enough to know my heart and my intention and my desire to shepherd you into green pastures and um, not be apostate in anything that I say or do, at least on purpose. Uh, But I really felt like I was supposed to communicate something before 2023 started to get you in position for what the Lord may want to do in 2023. How many of you know God has plans for you in 2023, plans to give you a hope and a future? In other words, plans uh, to get you excited, something to get excited about in 2023. Uh, And uh, I think we could get more. How many of you are excited for a brand new year? Yes, uh, something to get excited about in 2023. And so that's what I, I just felt led to just kind of push this in this direction. I say it with hesitancy, but I say it because I feel like you want me to say it, Father. So I'm going to throw it out there. But here's what I believe for many of us and many of you, many of you listening in 2023. All right, you ready? And it rhymes, which makes it all the more corny and all the more reason why I don't want to say it, but such as I have, give I thee. Here's what I have for 2023 for some of you for listening here, ah, debt-free in 2023. I, I, I sense this, um, and let me preface it by, by saying this. 
Um, this is not something that is designed to get you over into designer clothes or nicer cars. And let, let me just say, there's nothing wrong with the desires of your heart, nothing wrong with you having things. There is something wrong with things having you. But when things like this are communicated, a lot of times people get consumer in their, their mindset and only think about possessions and the next level and the next thing, which, you know, if you weren't there a couple of Sunday mornings ago, the rich man ground brought forth plentifully and all he could think about was what he wanted to do with his money for himself um, and these types of things. And so the goal of this is not for us to turn into like consumer in our mindset. Um, and there's, once again, there's nothing wrong with having genuine desire And there's nothing wrong with you having things that help you run your race and finish your course. I'm a big believer in that. Anything that helps your joy, anything that helps your peace, anything that that lets you see God be a father in your life. Um, So there's this this fine balance. And and the way that you walk the balance is you have this tension in your soul. And, And I always want to instill that in you because God is your father. And so as my children, like Christmas is coming up, I have things I want to bless them with. Anybody who has children knows that it's your desire to walk them, to see them walk in blessing and to get excited about what you're providing for them. And God's the same way. But also any parent knows that anytime you see them selfish, ungrateful, only thinking about the next thing, not really thinking about the gifts, but just like tearing open the next one, not really being appreciative, uh, having those gifts and looking down on other people for not having those gifts, solely seeking God for those gifts or any things like that would bring me much displeasure as a father. So do you see the balance there? Jesus came to show God as our father, and God wants his children free. God wants his children blessed. God wants his children provided for, taken care of, and he wants to meet your desires. But God also wants his children free from the love of money. He wants his children free from covetousness, free from just looking to to, to go to the next level constantly without being thankful for the level that they're on or seeing other people go to the next level as well. All of these types of things. So that's the the first thing. The second thing is being debt-free, and you're going to see it's God's will, but being debt-free is not so that you can sit back and just not have a need. Um, I was listening to uh, like a playlist the other day, and Apple's doing this thing now on their podcast, not podcast, but like on the radio deal where it like throws up radio stations. So it's like if you listen to, you know, whatever Jesus image or Upper Room or whoever it may be, they'll build kind of like a list of songs you might not have known. And it's like radio, you can click it and it plays different songs. Well, anyway, I clicked that. And this simple song came on, and it was um, it just like four stanzas or four kind of lines. I don't know. Lines, yeah, I guess would be the term. <laughs> but it's, you are my daily bread. I never have to beg. You keep me hungry, but you keep me fed. You are my daily bread. I never have to beg. You keep me hungry, but you keep me fed. And like I, I felt that resonating in my spirit, but immediately, of course, you run everything through Scripture, and I'm like, I don't know about that part of he keeps me hungry um, and that type of thing, but I couldn't stop singing it. And so I'm like, there's something here. And so I came to the Lord. I'm like, what about this you keep me hungry? And he reminded me of something. Uh, there have been times in my life, um, most notably, the, um, well, the second to the last time, I was 100% debt-free in ministry that there was nothing else I was pressing for or nothing else I was believing for. And the Lord reminded me of, you, you know, like you're to die in faith. 
meaning you're to, you're to, keep, to the day you die, you are to believe, be believing God for something. And what's another word for that? Hungry. Like there's, there's something I want to see God do. There's something I want to see God move on. There's something I want to see God establish. There's something I want to see God do through me. There's something I want to see God do in the earth. And, and out of that, God delights. Literally, you see this all throughout scripture where there's Jesus' teaching on like, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and let me be the provider. You know, look at the birds. I provide for them. I'll provide for you. Or all throughout with the children of Israel of like, I will make it rain from heaven every day to show you I will provide for you. God wants to show you on the regular that he is your provider. And the only way for him to show you that he is your provider is for you to need provision. And so the the goal of being debt free is not to come to a place where you don't need a provider anymore because you've provided for yourself. And that was the other thing that the rich man had did. He said, I don't need anything. I can eat, drink, and be merry because, like, I've saved up so much. I've got this huge nest egg that I don't need a provider. And, and God's point was like, no, look at the birds. Just like I provide for the birds, I want to provide for you. And so don't be afraid of a need. Amen. How many of you know you don't have to be afraid of a need because you have a provider with a supply. So God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. And if you've never heard that before, welcome to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. That God will supply all of your needs in that scripture. Go back and read it. Go read all of Philippians for it's written in a financial context Uh, and so out of this I I really wanted to lead with that charge Uh, but just say it with me for fun even if it makes you cringe a little bit because it rhymed but just say it and say debt free in 2023 Uh, I I think you like that a little bit more than you let on why don't you just say this say debt free in 2023 in Jesus name Amen. How many of you know he is able? He is able. All right. Uh, So this has been on my heart nonstop. Um, And one of those things that I've been able to shake, and I'm like, okay, where do I communicate? And I just felt led to do it tonight. So I think any of us know, if you've lived long, that financial pressure is awful. Um, And I, I don't know if any of you have felt that recently or if you felt it in your past, but when you feel the pressure of debt or the pressure of not having enough or constantly having budgetary conversations because of debt and all those types of things, it is draining, it is no fun, and it is not exciting. Um, and the pressure of that uh, can grate on us like few things can. In fact, in my life, even when I was thinking about this message, the only thing that I can think of that's worse than that is sickness and disease that's like big time, like a dangerous type of sickness or disease, especially if it's like messing with your kids. Um, like that type of angst is like a next level angst. But financial pressure is right up there. And when I took over Word of Life, um, I was thankful because my father, like six weeks before he passed away, had taken out life insurance. And it was only because the bank made him take life insurance. Um, And basically, our church is a non-denominational church, which means many things. But one of the things it means is we don't have a denomination backing us. So there's, there's no, like, denomination that will help us if we got ourselves in financial trouble. It's a standalone thing. And on most loans that you're, you're signing, like if the church signs a loan, it's my name on it. 
um, or it'd be my father's name on it when he was there, meaning that they'd not only get like the church's stuff, they'd get all your stuff as well, that type of thing, because there's not a denomination backing you. Uh, so out of that, um, my father, when he was planning to, to build everything on Lakeland Drive, this time we were on Highway 18, had built these plans, taken them over to a bank, and was getting a loan for it. And they're like, basically, you know, if you want the loan for this, you've got to get, they call it a key man policy. Um, and so out of that, it's basically a, a, um, a loan that helps pay down the debt uh, for the church if something was to happen to you. And so my father went through that whole process and got life insurance for the church. Um, it was to the, the tune of $2 million, $2 million. So if anything happened to him, the church would receive $2 million. And then um, he thought, well, if I'm getting it for myself, I might as well get it for my, mom, for my wife and for my kids. Like if something was happened to me, my, my, my wife and my, my kids would be taken care of. And so he fills out all the forms. It gets signed. Six weeks later, he died. And so out of that, it paid off the church. So the church was debt-free from that point on. And it left my mom and me and my sister an inheritance. Um, and so, you know, that type of thing. I, I strongly encourage people to get life insurance. It's one of those things that, especially when you're young, you can get a 30-year policy pretty cheaply, um, you know, and that type of thing. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I would recommend. But anyway, um, when I took over the ministry at that point, it was debt-free. So we, we owed no man nothing but to love him. And honestly, it saved the church because under my exceptional leadership, so many people left the church that had we had not been debt-free, <laughs> the church would have gone under um, and it wouldn't have lasted any longer. And so it really did save the church and kind of take us through that hard time, which is another reason to be debt-free. Um, you know, and those types of things. So I take over the church. It's debt-free. By God's grace, the church began to grow, and we thought, okay, we're going to build Lakeland Drive. And uh, I had only known a debt-free ministry, and now we were looking at millions of dollars worth of debt that it looked like we would have to, to take on. And so just like any of you, when you're thinking about things financially, there's a spiritual component, but there's also this mental component. I began to, like, plan and began to organize the church's money, begin to save, and then also, just like you would do if you're buying a house, it's like, well, we'll sell the house we're in, and then, you know, we'll go buy another house, you know, that type of thing. And you know, buying the other house will be contingent on selling the, you know, the house I'm in, that type of thing. And it was kind of that way with the church of like, okay, we'll sell our church and the proceeds from the sale of that church will go over to the new church and, you know, to help kind of pave the way. So all of this is kind of lining up and, and we, we find a, an agreement on the church and they're willing to pay $3.4 million for what we have on how 18. And so out of that, it's like, okay, combined with what we're saving, uh, you know, our debt load will be manageable and like these types of things, and it'll be great. You know, we can make the monthly payment, all those kinds of things. Well, as we get closer and closer to like sign over the deal for the church, it goes through appraisals. And this opened up my eyes uh, to a new world that I knew nothing of uh, in the financial segment. Uh, we come and we're getting ready to sign the papers. They send an appraiser out uh, to look at the church. 
and they start appraising it, and they come back and say the church on Highway 18 was only worth 2.4 million, not 3.4 million, and so they were not going to loan 3.4 million for the other church to buy it. They would only do 2.4 million. I'm like, I thought the whole point of an appraisal was what something would be willing to buy it for, and we have someone willing to buy it for 3.4 million dollars. The problem is, is there's not a lot of churches that go on the market that go for sale, and then the ones that they were comping it with, because you have comps when you're doing appraisals, the ones that they were willing to comp it with were churches that were nowhere near the league or the area of ours, but they were the only churches that had sold. And so these churches were like from the 60s and the 70s, needed all kinds of work. Ours was built in 1990. And so the comps and the per square footage comp was terrible, which drove the price down. So now we're in a hole for a million dollars. Like that was a million dollars I was going to have to build on Lakeland that now I do not have. And I begin to sweat, like literally sweat. I don't know if any of you have ever sweated before because of like financial pressure, but I'm at this state where it's running through my mind constantly and I'm violating scripture because if it's not a faith and it's worry, it's sin. Because worry is acting like you don't have a God who loves you. That's the truth. Anytime I am dealing with fear and worry, I'm acting like I don't have a God who loves me. And you have one. You have a father who loves you. But this is running through my mind constantly. I'm feeling the financial pressure of it. I'm like, this is not good. And so all during this time, we're still making plans to like move forward with it. It's like, okay, if we do this and we do this, we'll do it, but it'll be tight. And I don't know if any of you have been tight financially, but I don't like being tight financially. It's like, you know, I I don't like checking. And plus, with a church, too, it's not like your job where you know what you're getting every month. The variation of what comes into a church every month is so random. Uh, It it would blow your mind uh, if you saw it. It's like some months you have this, and other months you have this. It's all according to, you know, a lot. Is it Christmas and money's going to other places? Or is it a a week where you have five Sundays, or a month where you have five Sundays? Like all these types of things. And so it's like, okay, at our best months, and I don't know if any of you work in sales and you have like high months, it's like in our best months, we'll be okay. In our worst months, ah, (laughs) you know, and you kind of feel that tension. And so I'm, I'm navigating this financially, and maybe some of you are there right now where it's just tight, like it's tight financially. And so we're getting ready to build and, you know, all these types of things. We go through the building process. And as you're building, you're not taking on the full weight of the loan. So you're just kind of paying it out as you're building. And about six months before we opened, I get this, this magazine in the mail. People send you stuff all the time, uh, you know, when you give to ministries. And this magazine came into the, the church office, and I start looking through it, and I'm reading the articles. And this was not a ministry that I really followed, but uh, one that I'm like, they're sending me free stuff. I'll read it. And so I'm, I'm going through, I'm reading the articles, and I throw it away. And something in my, my spirit, like on the inside, knew, like, don't throw it away. So, like, I got it out of the trash can, I set it on my desk. I'm like, there's something there I need to get. I don't know what it is yet. So literally for a month, I'm looking at this magazine trying to see, like, what is it? So I'm reading all the articles over and over and over and over again. Nothing. I'm like, Holy Spirit, I know there's something in here. And I I would read it. I'm like, ah, I throw it away. I'm like, got to fish it out of the trash can. Put, Put it picked it back up. Finally, I'm looking at it, and I see an advertisement. And in my mind, I never thought to, like, look at the advertisements. It's like, I only read the articles. 
But in my mind, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it, and I see the advertisement. As soon as I focused on it, I knew I'm supposed to go to that meeting. And I don't know if any of you ever had that before. It's like, I need to go to church tonight. Or I need to go to, you know, the church tomorrow. Or, I need to be there. And, like, I had that, so I need to be in those meetings. And I looked at the date, and it was a week before we opened uh, our church, phase one, on Lakeland Drive. And I'm like, that ain't going to work, God. Uh, like, I, it's like the last Sunday we'll have on Highway 18. It's like there's so many other things that we'll have going. Like, this is not going to work for me. But I knew in my heart I needed to be there. And so I came and I got Ryan Lamberson, my brother-in-law, and at that time our executive pastor. I'm like, look, I think we need to go to this. And so we went up to this meeting, and we're sitting there. We're sitting in the balcony because I went through, like, a weird phase where I'm like, I don't want to be, like, anywhere near, like, the front uh, and, like, get special treatment for being a minister. It's a long story. I did long, long story. I saw, when my father passed away, I saw what happened to my mom and how she was treated and I'm like, I don't want to be in that circle, and I don't want to be in that world. And the, the Lord had to, anyway, deal with my heart. It was not healthy. Uh, I repented, changed, that kind of thing. But at this time, I'm sitting in the back, all the way in the balcony. And I'm sitting there, and this guy gets up, and he starts doing, I thought it was his message. Turned out it was just the offering. It's long enough to be a message. Uh, but... <laughs> I'm sitting there, it's the truth, I'm sitting there, and in the offering, he starts talking about how God made him debt-free. Now, many of you have heard this verse, it's quoted out of the book of Romans, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And sometimes when you hear something, it's like, that can happen? And it just comes into you. And I can count on like one hand times when I've been in a service and this has happened, but this would be the one that stands out to me more than any other time. I'm listening to this man share his testimony. And up to this point, it had never crossed my mind that God could pay off that debt. Now, it had crossed my mind, and what I was believing for was that God could help me manage it. Uh, but to think that God could like override these and like pay it off quickly for a testimony of his glory and fame in my life and to free me up to do the next thing he called me to do, I didn't even cross my mind until I'm sitting in there and I'm listening to this man share his testimony. And I kid you not, it was like God opened up my heart, opened it up, put Faith's in there, and I knew without a shadow of a doubt, and this is faith. Faith is fully persuaded. Uh, when you're in faith, you are not like a wave. What's a wave? It's tossed to and fro. And so when you're, when you're trying to get in faith, it's like in the service, God's going to do it. And there's excitement and there's joy. And then you get home and you look at the bill and it's like, what am I going to do? Um, and like it's this wave um, of emotion. When you're in faith, there is no wave. You're not double-minded, according to the book of James. You are fully persuaded that what God has promised, he is also able to perform. And somebody says, I'm not there yet. It's okay. There have been plenty of times where I have not been there. But how do you fix it? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you keep putting the word of God before your eyes and before your ears. And you consider that report versus the negative report. I'm telling you, something in your heart will flip. 
And when it flips, you got it before you got it. You, you see it before you see it. You know it before you know it. You comprehend it before you comprehend it. Like your, your heart just wraps around it and it's yours. And somebody says, you have it? Yes and no. You have it in your heart. You don't have it in your hands, but in your heart, you know God will be faithful. And I'm telling you, I heard that man's testimony and it came in my heart like God's going to do this. Like it will be a sign and a wonder to me. It will be a sign and a wonder to my generation that God still does these types of things. Like it will be a hand of God moment in my life. I knew it. And so I'm sitting there and like I can barely contain it. Like I just, I'm listening to it, I'm listening to it, I'm listening to it. I'm like, and I look over at Ryan, I'm like, we're going to be debt free. And he looks at me, I'm like, trust me, bet, we are going to be debt free. And so I'm looking at him and I'm saying this and like God just comes all over me and he tells me that he wanted me to sow a seed. It was the biggest seed we had ever sown as a church, $100,000. And then he told me to sow a seed from my personal account, for me and Peps, it was the biggest seed we had ever sowed personally. And I'm sitting there, and instead of being like in fear or trembling, no one was like manipulating. There was none of this. It was just like, I know in my heart this is the Lord. We were faithful to do it. Now, fast forward. We were in that church like for for two years, and immediately we saw so much increase that we were able to start to to pay down that that bill. And then I, I literally get a phone call one day. And I pick it up, and it's a businessman on the other end of the phone. He's like, me and my business partner want to meet with you. They had just been in the church for a couple of months. I'm like, this is not good. Most of the time when people want to meet with me, it's either they have a problem with the church or they have a problem that I need to fix. Like one of the two. Uh, Very seldom is it like, we love you meeting. It's like, we have a problem, fix it, or you're the problem, we're leaving. Uh, And so out of that, (laughs) I'm like, like, this is not going to be good. And like, I, I feel this sense of like past experience because I had just come off a season where a lot of people had told me they were leaving. I was 18 at the time, so you could imagine like if your pastor is all of a sudden 18, you might think about leaving too. But anyway, uh, like this is all kind of running through my mind. And, and out of this, they come in my office, and this was a couple of days later, they come in my office, and they're like, you had a guest speaker in a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, yes. I'm like, it's his fault. Whatever you don't like, it was him. Uh, and <laughs> anyway, they're like, you had a guest speaker. I'm like, true. They said, while he was there, the Lord told us to do something. I'm like, okay. And they slid this check across, and I kid you not, it was the exact amount to pay off all of phase one. I mean, completely debt-free. My banker sent me a letter. He's like, this is the fastest any loan has ever been paid off in the history of our bank. And he was upset because, like, the bank wants to make money. Uh, And that type of thing. He's like, we made no money off of your loan. He's like, this is, you know, but he was being sarcastic. But it was a sign and a wonder, like a sign and a wonder. And since then... Uh, we have seen God give us buildings. Each building God has given us, he has paid off supernaturally. Each one of them, each one of them, he has paid off supernaturally. And I could tell you literally all night long, tell you story after story after story after story of how he did it. But tonight, what I want to show you is the process in which God led me for that to happen. It's real simple. And I just want to show it to you. And I want to encourage you, get this in your heart. If it, if it, 
Get this in your heart if you feel like you need it. If you don't feel like you need it, then just be blessed by the reading of God's word. But if you feel like you need it, get this in your heart that you have a God who wants to fill you with what you need to run your race. So with that being said, let's read two passages of scripture. The first one is going to be in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 9. And let's look here. In verse number 12, we'll read this and then we'll go to the book of John. It's the same story. It's just different accounts. Each one lets us see a little bit different side. Luke chapter nine, verse number 12. Now the day was ending and the 12 came and said to him, send the crowd away that they may go into surrounding villages and countryside and find lodging to get something to eat for we're here in a desert place. And he said unto them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless perhaps we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men, that's not including women and children, but 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, now watch this, this is important. Have them sit down to eat in groups of about 50. Have them sit down to eat in groups about 50. How did they know there were 5,000 people there? They set them in groups of 50, and they were counting. We'll come back to that. All right, so in verse 15, they did so, and they had them all sit down. Then he took five loaves and two fish, and looking up to the heavens, he blessed them and broke them. He blessed them and broke them. He blessed them and broke them, and kept giving them to the disciples to set before the people. And they all ate and were satisfied and picked up the broken pieces which they had, which were left over, picked up, and they had 12 baskets full. Um, Amazing. Now, same account, John 6. Um, If you can go over to the book of John, John chapter 6, and we'll read in verse number 1. John 6 and 1. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and a large crowd followed him. Because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on top of the mountains, and there he sat down with his disciples. And the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes, seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we going to buy bread so that all these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered and said, "Uh, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for all of them, for everyone to receive a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here, a little boy, who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place, so that the men sat down, and the number was about 5,000. Jesus then took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated, likewise also the fish, as much as they wanted. And they were all filled. And he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments so that nothing will be lost. And they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments, from the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Now, years ago, the Lord led me to these verses, and these are things that I go back to and feel led to go back to even in this season, uh, to just major on a couple of principles that are here. There is a need that they don't have provision for. 
Everyone see this in this story. People are hungry. They're in a desert place. God wants them full. And another word for that is he wants them provided for. But the problem is they don't have enough to provide. And so they're looking at the need and they're looking at the provision. And literally, Andrew asks, okay, what we have for this need is, is some, but what is it among such a big need? And so you can hear the angst, you can hear the frustration, and all the while you can see the joy in Jesus because the Bible tells us he himself knew what he was about to do anyway. But maybe you're there right now where it's like you had this need and then you're looking at what you're bringing in each month and it's like, eh, this is not good. And you can kind of feel the pressure and the angst of like, this is not okay. And maybe it's inflation or maybe it's just something that comes up. But when you're looking at how much you bring in each month and you're looking at what you have, it's like, what is what I have among such a big debt, especially when I'm looking to get debt free? But the point of this story is God coming in and showing I can super exceed any natural law. Because what did they do? They started thinking naturally. Like, where's the closest place to go buy bread? And what could we do now to go meet the need? And God's like, stop. Like, there are things that you could do naturally. But there are also things you can do spiritually. And he's trying to train them to think spiritually. You remember the story when Jesus took away all their money? He's like, don't take your money back. Don't take it. Don't take it. Don't take it. Don't take it. And, and they come back, and they're like, you took away our money bag. And he's like, did you lack anything? And they're like, Lord, we lack nothing. Why? He was trying to teach them, you are not limited by what you have. Faith can work for you just like money. Faith is heaven's currency. Um, And so what God was trying to get them to do was to put them in a position of faith, to stop thinking naturally and to begin thinking supernaturally, to begin thinking about what God could do and not just what they could do, to begin thinking about what God could supply and not just what their job could supply. Uh, to, to begin thinking about what God could do. And if he had to do it by bird or do it through multiplying oil or do it by making like bread and meal not run out so you can keep making a cake day after day, that God can do it. God can work with what you have. And, and somebody says, well, well, that was for the oil or that was for the bread. The point of both of those stories was to show you whatever's in your house, God can work with. It doesn't matter what's not in your house. God can work with what's in your house. If it's just five loaves and two fish, God can turn what's not enough into more than enough. If you're just bringing in blank amount, it's like, but what is it? God can work with what you have. He's not limited by what you have in your possession. And God's trying to train us in this area. And so this is what this story is showing us. It's like, I can go beyond what the limits are that you may have in your life, in your ministry, on your job. But I need you to think differently. And what we want to do here is think like Jesus and not think like the disciples did with their unbelief. And so what we see Jesus do and the principles of this story here are are kind of real simple. Four things. Number one. Be faithful to sow the seed. This all started with one boy who considered what he had in the hands of Jesus to be more than enough. The disciples, they're thinking about going to go buy the whole Kroger and feeding everybody. The little boy is like, my five loaves and my two fish, when it gets in the hands of Jesus, will turn into more than enough. 
And I know that, like I said, people have taken some of these things and abused it, which is why you never want to give out of manipulation or arm twisting or in heights of emotion, especially when it's sacrificial seed. You want to know it's the Lord telling you to do it. But I am telling you, where there is no seed, there can be no harvest. And this is a spiritual principle. God gives seed to the sower, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, but he also gives bread to the eater, but he multiplies seed that is sown. And if there is going to be a multiplication, there must be a seed that is sown. And you've heard my story. Years ago, I was in India, and I'm sitting there, and I'm so frustrated because I'm like, God, I see the consecration of these Indian pastors. Like, I see it. And this is a conference that we as a church pay for every year. In a Bible school, we pay cash for for this missionary. And this is why, I'm te- this is why we need more people who think big We need Christian people who can expand the kingdom of God. Do you know right now there's over 200 languages that do not have a Bible translated in their language? What if you could get so financially great you could cut a check to translate the Bible in someone's language? We need to stop thinking about paying bills and start thinking about translating Bibles. Like, we've got to raise our thinking. We've got to have people who think big, like people think big for, for, for business. We need people who think big for the kingdom. Um, anyway, so like out of this, I'm sitting there and I'm like, Father, like I want to do more. And I know you want to do more in the lives of these Indian pastors. And I know there's so much more you can do. And like I'm accusing him and he's like, whoa, he stopped me, corrected me. Is it right, right about before I was to preach? He's like, I am not unfaithful. And I'm like, but God, look at them. And they're all dancing and praising. Like, you hold a prayer service, they're all there. They're not there for, like, the preaching and teaching of Robert Madu. They're there for prayer and, like, sold out to prayer. And I'm like, God, like, you see, like, I I see a devotion I don't see often in America. He's like, I, he corrected me. I am not unfaithful. He said, Joel, I'll tell you two reasons why I, don't, I can't move in people's lives like I want to. And I never forgot this. You've heard me say it many times. He said, I'll tell you two reasons. He said, it comes down to unforgiving and giving. Unforgiving and giving. He said, I can't move in people's lives like I want to because either I can't get something out of their heart or I can't get something out of their hand. He's like, if I can't get unforgiveness out of your heart, it hinders every prayer you pray. And that's scriptural. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 25. You can stand speaking to a mountain or asking God for the desires of your heart. But if while you're doing it, you hold unforgiveness about someone else, all your prayers did was hit the wall. You've got to move in unforgiveness. The greatest miracle always happened, whether it was Jesus' exaltation or Joseph's exaltation or David's exaltation, it came after deep hurt, which led to deep forgiveness. And when you take on that characteristic of God, I'm telling you, it opens up the door for God to move in your life. And he said, there are things I can't get out of the heart of people. And he showed me like what I'd walked through as a young man, how the unforgiveness passed. I had to get out of me. And he's like, did you see when I got that out of you, what I was able to do for you? He's like, you don't know what I'm trying to get out of these people. I am not unfaithful. And he said, secondly, there are things that I can't get out of people's hand. And he said, there are many people praying in a field asking for a harvest where they have sowed no seed. 
He's like, even if I made it rain, it would not make anything grow because there is no seed there. And I, every single time I have seen God move supernaturally, Highland Colony, that was the biggest miracle we ever had, like rapid acceleration. It'd be the equivalent of God giving you $10 million. Like for us to do Highland Colony, buy that land, build that building, every bit of 10 to $12 million. The land alone we could sell for $3 million. Like all these types of things. Greatest miracle our church has ever seen. God gave it to us and then paid it off. You know what happened before then? On three separate times, I came across three different people, and God said, I want you to get them a building. First time, I told the story with Kevin Cooley, um, the missionary in India. God told me, help him. And I didn't want him building a building because I knew how long it would take to build it. I'm like, let's buy a building. Let's don't build one. And so I delayed my support, and God told me, you have been unfaithful. I told you to help him. And so I took that missionary out. I'm like, take me to the land. And I went to the land. I said, give me a rock. And he gave me a rock. And I'm like, I will set this rock on my desk. And I will not buy our church anything until I built you a building. And I set that on the desk. And the Lord, you know, I, I, I was faithful. I gave him my, my best. I gave him the church's best. A couple of weeks later, we got a guy in by the name of Chris Durso. Chris Durso was with Saints Church at that time. He's just taking over pastorate of the church. I'm walking around showing him the church. And God said, I want you to give him $100,000. I'm like, for what? He's like, for his building. I'm like, he's not even a pastor. He's like, just tell him it's for his building. And I'm like, so I'm walking around the, the church. And I'm like, man, I, I got, just got to tell you something. The Lord told me, he starts weeping. He's like, I'm going to be announced the pastor of Saints Church in a couple of, a couple of weeks, and I'm going to lead with a, um, a campaign drive. And he's like, I, I, my faith was just running so low for this. And he told the Lord, like, I need a kickstart. And God had a sow. A couple of weeks later, I'm sitting there, sitting there at a conference. I see a missionary that we support for years. They had never met me. I just heard of their mission. I'm sitting there looking at this missionary. Her name is Patty Dunnick. And I see her, and her and her husband years ago, like, bought a boat called the Uttermost Witness. What a great name for a boat. And they would go around to all the islands in the Pacific and, like, go and, like, and so I'm like, yeah, I'll support that. That's amazing. You know, all these remote places and go set up Bible schools, do it from a boat. I'm like, I'll support the uttermost witness. Great name for a boat. And so anyway, I support him. I see, I see him walking up, and I'm like, ah, I'd like to go say hello, but I'm kind of introverted. I know you wouldn't believe that, but I am. I'm kind of introverted. I'm like, ah. And, and so I'm like, I'll, I'll walk to the seat. while I'm, I, I don't go say hello. I'm walking to the seat while I'm walking. The Lord spoke to my heart. He said, I want you to partner with them in an offering. I'm like, I, this is not even my meeting. I can't take up an offering. That night, the guy whose, whose meeting it was says, and tonight we're going to take up a special offering for Patty Dunnick. I'm like, I see you, Lord. And the Lord said, I've been trying to break a barrier in your life, but I have not been able to break it because you have not broken a barrier in your giving. The largest amount our church had ever given to any ministry was $100,000. He said, I want you to break that barrier. He told me the amount is the biggest amount we had ever get, given until this year, the biggest amount we had ever given in one offering. Two days later, Pastor David Hell walks in our church, or walks in, into a meeting with me and a man by the name of Clint Herring, and he sits there and God gives us a building. Literally gives us a building. Somebody says, Well, why did that happen? I know it couldn't have happened without that seed. 
And I, here's what I want to say. I did not sow any of those seeds because I'm like, I'm going to stick this in, pull the lever, and God's going to give me a building. Like, it's not how this works. God's not a genie. He's not a, 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 a you know, a, a lottery. He's not a, what's the thing, slot machine. That's not God. But he is a faithful father. And he does ask for Isaac to see if he can take you more and to see if he can trust you to be a person that will obey his command. And so if you are going to see God move, there is no miracle here without five loaves and two fish. And one boy gave that, not knowing for sure. Like there's no evidence. God's about to try to feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. There's no guarantee he's going to get it back. But out of this, he felt compelled to give that and place it in the hands of Jesus. And I'm telling you, whenever you get that in your heart, you do not know what's on the other side of your obedience. And if you will be faithful to do what God is telling you to do, I'm telling you, you will be glad you did. Your giving will open up a door for you you could never open up for yourself when it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's step number one. I'll run through the next three. Step number two. Bless it, don't curse it. Bless it, don't curse it. When the disciples get the five loaves and two fish, you're like, not enough. Never going to meet the need. This is never going to work out. What is it among so many? What did Jesus do? He looked at it. Oh, it blessed him. He looked at it and he lifted it up and he blessed it. He blessed it. And I want you to stop cursing your job. I want you to stop cursing your income. I want you to stop griping and complaining. I want you to stop talking about how we're running on dry and I don't know how I'm going to make it. And I want you to start lifting up your voice to God and being like, you know what? In your hands, what's not enough is more than enough. In your hands, Jesus, you can take this and you can multiply it. I thank you, Father. I'm the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. You are my good shepherd. I will not want. I want you to or good warfare. I, I want you to come in with these scriptures. What are my scriptures when, when this happened for me? Deuteronomy 28, Deuteronomy 28, Psalms 23. Deuteronomy 28, Psalms 23. What is Deuteronomy chapter 28? It's like God saying, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you in the city. I'm going to bless you in the field. I'm going to bless you when you come in. I'm going to bless you when you go out. Your cattle will be blessed. You will be blessed. Your body will be blessed. Your income will be blessed. Everything will be blessed. And God comes in and he just starts proclaiming these promises over his people. And he tells them, you'll be the head and not the tail. You will be the lender and not the borrower. And I want you to come and I want you to start proclaiming these things over your life. And when you see those bills, stop complaining about it. And when you look at those things, say, you know what? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God is moving in my life so that I can move for his kingdom. That the anointing of God is coming on me and it will destroy the yoke. I want you to see it and I want you to bless it. The disciples could not see five loaves and two fish turning into more. Jesus could. He could see exactly what it could do in the hands of God. And I want you to see what your job and your income can do in the hands of God. Number three. Number three. Find out exactly how much you need. Find out exactly how much you need. Before Jesus begins this process of multiplication, the first thing that he does is break them up into groups of 50. Why? He's looking to see what the need is. Not to be impressed by it, but to know what to believe for. 
And so he sets it out. This is how they knew how many people were there is because he set them in groups of 50. And why? Because 50 is easier to count than just lines. It's like, okay, we got 50, 50, 50, 50. Add it up, 5,000. So here he's, he's looking at this and he's breaking them up into groups of 50 to know what the need is. And so many people, they don't see the supply because they don't even know the need. God supplies all of your needs according to his riches in glory. And I want you to know exactly what that need is, and I want you to target it with your faith. Uh, You don't know what to believe for if you don't know what to believe for. Um, And so out of that, I want you to line it up. I want you to put it before your eyes. And I want you to say, God is working on you. Every time you look at it, God is working on you. God is my source. God is my provider. And finally, step number four, he multiplied it when broken. And I, I, I put in my journal when I put this in, think process, not pile. Think process, not pile. Now, God could dump the whole sea out, fill the net, sink the boat. We've seen God do that. But in this miracle, when he's meeting the need, what is he doing? It's a process. Every time he breaks it, it's growing. It's not he takes the, Father, bless five loaves and two fish. And it's like, and you know, all these fish rain down from heaven. And it's like, he did it. Um, it was a process. It was, I'll break it off and feed this one. And then it'll grow when I break it. And I'll break it off and feed this one. And so what I want you to do when you're, when you're believing God for this is I want you to take, don't wait for like the full, if you're believing God for $5,000, don't wait for the 5000 Believe for $1 5,000 times. I'm serious. Think process, not pile. So don't, don't, esteem, don't lightly esteem the five loaves and two fish and be like, ah, what is it? Just take the $2, put it towards the debt. Take the $3, put it towards the debt. Take it and begin putting it towards it. And every time you do, watch it go down and begin to have a praise party that God is at work. Make up your mind right then and there that when God brings in the extra income, it is not going to be stuff you are going to buy more of. You're not going to go into more debt while believing to get out of debt. You're not going to take the seed that God gives you to get out of debt and go into debt. Debt, the reason why debt is so bad is it turns money into your God and it turns people into your provision. And so instead of waiting on God, I'll go into debt now because I believe this credit card can do for me what only God wants to do for me. And so I've got more faith in MasterCard, and I want it now, than I do in the Lord Jesus. And so it replaces the Lord. And instead of looking to the Lord to provide the desire, we want it now, and we get it by credit. And God is like, you only have two masters, and it's not me and Satan. It's me and money. And he's like, I'm trying to break you free from the Lord of money, and I'm trying to be Lord over your life and show you there is nothing money can do for you that I cannot do for you. I want to be your provider. I want to be your father. I want to add it to you instead of you taking out money to borrow it. Come on, somebody. So out of that, when you get extra income, do not just buy more stuff. Take it and apply it to that. And I'm telling you, you begin to get traction and momentum. 
And, and you're having this moment where like all of a sudden it takes on, I've seen this every time, every single time I've gotten serious about this, it takes on a supernatural dimension to it. And you're sitting there and it's like, <laughs> it's not running out. Like, how did that, we just made a big chunk on that, like put that, knocked out a big chunk of that. But I'm looking at this and it's like, it's the exact same amount of money. It's like, where is it coming from? And you cut it again, it's like, what is going on? And it takes on a supernatural dimension to it where you see the wonderful goodness of God in the land of the living. I want to encourage you, God loves you. And he wants to provide for you. Believe to see his goodness. Amen. Amen. Debt free in 2023. Come on, say it like you're debt free in 2023. Amen. I don't care if it's college debt. Tabitha was here. She'd tell you a testimony. I was teaching on one of these things years ago, and she just made a decision. I'm getting in faith for this getting in faith for this, that college debt is paid for. Lady she had never met before, or or lady she didn't know that well, I'm sorry, came up to her, cut her a check, paid off the whole thing. She's like, I was praying, see, cut, paid off thousands and thousands of dollars. God is not limited by your paycheck. God is not limited, pastors or whoever, to who's in your church. God is not limited to your job. God is, you know what limits God? Your faith. God is limited by your beliefs. And thank God he had a boy in this story that had more faith than all of his disciples that said, you know what? Five loaves and two fish in Jesus' hands, it is more than enough if I can place it there. And I'm telling you, God wants to blow your mind and raise your expectation for what he can do in your body, what he can do in your finances, and what he can do in your life. But he will not do it without your permission. You have to get your hopes up. You have to get your faith going. And you have to believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. This is not to make you more selfish. This is to make you more free. Free to do what? Free to give, free to bless, free to help, free to expand his kingdom, free to move on to the next thing. Amen? Amen. Father, we come before you tonight. We love you. We honor you. And Lord, we thank you in the name of Jesus that, Father, we will no longer complain about lack. (laughs) Father, we will no longer have a negative attitude But, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. You are our source. You are our provider. Our job is not our source. (laughs) Our income is not our source. Father, you are our source. And you can provide for us. And, Father, I thank you no matter what the need is, whether it's a house or a credit card or college loans or or whatever it may be, Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. You are God who affectionately cares for your children and your people. And so, Father, I thank you. We get our faith up. And, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. You perform miracles among us so that we can do more for your kingdom. And so that our testimony... 
can inspire the lives of other people. We love you so much, Father. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. You do. 